0: Do you believe in angels? If you have never seen an angel on earth, you will get a chance to see one and hear from one today. I'm gonna ask Bronson Del Rio to please come to the stage to introduce our next speaker. You would wanna put your computers away, you would wanna put your phones in silent if they were not already, if they were not, you were disobeying. And you would wanna pay attention to someone who has done the work here that makes the relevance to the data that you saw earlier. Without further ado, Bronson the Rio partner and not the care and owner of Decibel Communications. Thank you, Edwin, and you are absolutely right. It is with immense privilege and profound admiration that I'm here today to introduce a truly remarkable individual whose unwavering dedication to humanitarian causes has touched the lives of countless people along the U.S.-Mexico border and beyond, Sister Norma is a beacon of hope, a tireless advocate, and a living embodiment of compassion. She serves as the director of the charities of the, rear, the Catholic charities of the Rio Grande Valley, uh, where she leads the charitable arm of the Diocese of Brownsville. In this role, Sister Norma oversees a diverse array of ministries and services that address a wide range of critical needs in the Rio Grande Valley, including emergency assistance, homelessness prevention disaster relief, clinical counseling, pregnancy care, food programs, and essential humanitarian relief to immigrants. What truly sets Sister Norma apart is her unwavering commitment to the immediate action in response to emerging community needs. Her work on the U.S.-Mexico border where she oversees the provision of a safe space for migrants to rest and regain strength is nothing short of inspirational. Her efforts have garnered recognition and accolades from numerous organizations across the country, and her impact is felt far beyond the border she tirelessly serves. Sister Norma Pimentel's remarkable journey is punctuated by a staggering array of awards and accomplishments too long to list today uh, to, uh, as a testament to her unwavering commitment to humanitarian causes and boundless compassion. From the prestigious 2020 Time Magazine's list of the 100 most influential people of the year, to most recently having Pope Francis himself send her a heartfelt video message, acknowledging her and all the dedicated volunteers working alongside her, encouraging them to continue their invaluable work along the border. Sister Norma Pimentel is a shining example of the power of compassion and service, and her remarkable journey is an inspiration to us all. Please join me in welcoming the remarkable Sister Norma Pimentel to the stage.
1: Muchas gracias. Thank you for the invitation to be here before you all. It's truly uh, an honor to, to speak to you because I find that a lot of what you are is what I am, you know? And um, from listening to our previous speaker, uh, i was unprepared of saying that I'm here to, from CCRGV and I'm not talking about ACO, but maybe of HDO, you know? <laughs> which is more in line with what I do. And what I think that, overall, what what brings us together as one community and one purpose is the fact that we must all come together in, in a collaborative way to make a difference in the life of all of us and every single one of us. And that is partly what I do and why I do it, you know. It started all back when I chose to change directions where I was going I was gung-ho going in one direction after graduating from the university here in RGV and um, I got a bachelor's in fine arts and that was my whole dream and what I was out to conquer I was um, when my dad had other plans for me and I quite didn't agree with his plans so I decided that let me see what I can do to change that and, and take control of my life. And um, that's when God decided to step in and change my direction of life and put me in the direction where he says, I think I need you, young lady. And so here I am. I'm a nun. And something that I would never would have thought of doing in, ever in my life up until the moment that he put an eye on me, you know? And things change. And... Um, one of the things that i learned quickly as i started my life as a religious person and dedicated myself to the people of god and to helping them i quickly realized that we must define who we are what we stand for what defines us and Quickly, I, I was introduced to that by my mentor, my uh, teacher. She is a beautiful lady from Spain that actually was an amazing person with high principles and values and, and really clearly knew her path of life and what she was doing, and so she passed that on to me. And she one day told me in, an, in a circumstances that we were um, facing, that was not easy and she said to me Norma I was quite young I was then about 24 years old she was probably twice my age muchas gracias and and she says to me Norma when we say we believe in something and then we run away when things get tough then we really don't stand for anything we're nobody so um you decide who stays here because we can't both get into this mess right now so i chose to to stay and and um, things changed for me and, and it was at that moment that i realized that it's not easy to step forward and do things that are difficult and that put, that make you think why am i doing this who do, What is it that this is important for me to do? And I quickly realized that what I stood for and what was important for me was life, defending life. You know, and the many people that you may know of who, that I do a lot now is dedicate myself to, to protect and defend and, and help individuals that are struggling, individuals that are hurting, people that are suffering, And to try to make a difference in their life by reaching out to them and so here I am and ten uh, about ten years ago here in McAllen Texas we started to receive uh, great numbers of people to the streets of McAllen from Border Patrol immigrants that you see coming into the United States and and back then you know I for the most part people in the community started to uh, respond to a situation at our downtown McAllen bus station and they were uh, seeing families that were being dropped off by Border Patrol and they were um, in terrible condition dirty muddy crying dehydrating you know and uh, scared and frightened and it was terrible things that were we were seeing downtown McAllen and they and they gave me a call and said sister We need your help. We want to be able to see how to help these families, these people that are here in our community in downtown McKellen, and uh, we need to do something. And so I rushed to the, I was in San Juan, that's where our office is, and we came down. And as I was coming down to McKellen, downtown McKellen, I was thinking to myself, think Norma, what are you gonna do, you know? And you're gonna arrive, and more than likely, there's a lot of people out there, and we have to figure out how to fix this and help them. And so we uh, quickly thought about it, and I said, Father Tom, Sacred Heart, just a block from the bus station. So I gave him a call, and, and he said, hey, Father Tom, I, I need to borrow your parish hall for a couple of days. Well, that's a laugh, because three years later, I. I, estaba todavía. <laughs> well, I was still there so you know didn't realize exactly what it is that we were going to be doing and how could we help them but we knew they needed help and so called some people and i said meet me at the parish hall and i said what's for sister and i have no clue but we'll figure it out together when we get there <laughs> call your friends have them call their friends and so what actually happened and who I am today, is not just Norma doing it. It's a community effort. We came together as one community. And I think this story is important because, because what happened in McAllen on that day was the response of the whole of us together, coming together. We were one community in every aspect. And what was the key factor that actually brought us together was the fact that right from the start, when I started to walk the families to the parish hall from the bus station, the, um, the city, everybody got involved because we start calling everybody through Facebook and through social media and everything. And, and as soon as we uh, arrived at the, there, the response was amazing because everybody was getting there and and helping. But the city officials also came looking for what was happening at the bus station. They wanted to, they had heard, just as I heard, we need to do something about these people that are in downtown. The city officials also heard there's a problem at the bus station, go figure it out and take care of it. Somehow I ended up being there first and so we moved those families to sacred heart and from there the city went looking for whatever the problem was and then ended up going to sacred heart to find out what was going on and so this person that I, we have since then become very good friends he um, he shows up possibly around 11 at night you know when we were there the parish hall was packed with people a lot of families, children, mothers, immigrants, a lot of families from the community were there, helping and doing a lot to take care of these families that were in great need. And he, this person this person comes up and says, Sister Norma, what are you doing here? And I turned her back and I looked at the parent hall. It was packed. It was full of people helping other people, giving food, giving milk, giving things, changing, you know, a pair of pants or something. Everybody was so engaged and so involved. I turned back and looked at this man, and I said, restoring human dignity. That's what we're doing. Well, he didn't expect my answer. I think he was ready to let down a lot of city codes or whatever I was doing wrong. But he was taken back, and then he th- moved back to, and then told me sister if I had a magic wand what would that magic wand do for you and I said showers of course parish halls don't have showers they just have restrooms with a, uh, a water faucet and maybe so we needed we were using a lot of wipes to clean people's mud and to take them clean them as best as we could so, but after that that evening we had a mobile unit of eight showers the next day the mayor of of McAllen said anything sister needs you make sure you give to her and that was the trigger you know not only did the city step in the county stepped in and then we said well what do you need sister well i think i would like to know how many people are going to start coming here and when are they going to be dropping them off? So we can more or less have an idea how much food we need to get and how many volunteers. And so that's what triggered it all up. So, what I need to do is speak to the Border Patrol. I need to speak to the people who are involved in this. So, we all came together at the table and we talked. And today, since that day forward, I get a call from any and every single Border Patrol agent that has my cell number, okay? Because since that day, I, I said I want them to call me and tell me if they're bringing somebody to us. And I still get calls from Border Patrol that are maybe in Kingsville or maybe any part of South Texas, and they have a family unit or they have somebody they need to bring to the... because they don't know where to release them to, and so they're ready to be released, and they've been processed and here they bring them to Sister Nora to the center that we have in McAllen, Texas. What I find this is so important is that fact that that start and how we came together as a community because it was not only then Border Patrol, it was not the city officials or the government and county governments, it was the universities, the clinics, the doctors to this day that are ready and ready, helpful to say, how can I help you? do you have anything, here is my card, this is my number, and I can be there so that we can work this together. It, it has been a collaborative among all of us. When it's not really about norma or about anyone, faith, religion, it's not about any government, it's about us being one. And, and, and recognizing the importance that we may all have different reasons why we come together, Maybe the city is more interested in making sure that they don't have a problem in their city, you know? And so, ultimately, it's a win-win for all of us, you know? It's like, what, what was our speaker talking about, that triple axle, you know? <laughs> I think we can really look at the benefits of how my interest, personal interest, and why I help somebody is because I care about human life. I care about the human being. It really... Connects me to the fact that it is important that we do not let this person that is right here before us Suffering if they need water. Well, let's get them water If they need health care, well, let's get them health care, you know And if we cannot be together, we will be able to find solutions to resolve whatever the needs are And so it won't happen if we don't come together and we all benefit one way or another because ultimately We were created for that purpose, to take care of ourselves, you know, to care of creation, of humanity, you know, and that's what it's about, you know. And one of the things that I always, um, I speak a lot in different places in the United States and other places, the one thing that I always ask is, it is so important that you come and see. I, I met the president and... When he came to El Paso he invited me to go so he wanted to meet with me and uh, the one thing I asked him it's important that you come and see the people see their faces like I have seen them you know I back in 2014 when I ex- I had this one opportunity and I asked the county judge at the time get me permission to go inside those detention centers because I hear there's a lot of kids, a lot of children in there. I want to see them. And I opened the doors for the detention center so everybody else can come in and ask for to go in. But for me, it was the hardest thing I ever done in my life. You know, to walk into a detention facility that is filled with children. Dirty gray the hair is gray the face is gray the, the the clothing they have on is gray because of the mud they dried up and they haven't had a chance to get cleaned up because there's no showers there or well, they weren't then now they've moved along and there they they were little chiquitos five not more than 10 years old in a detention facility and not just one, or 10, or 15, or 100, thousands. Every single cell was filled with them. It's not because the border patrol wanted them there, but they'd have no choice. They had to pass them on to the right group, Office of Refugee and Resettlement, and they weren't prepared to get that. Many people had one, children at one time. So they had to keep them there. I said, Can I go inside? And they said, No, ma'am, you can't. Said, but please, I want to pray with them. Of course, how can you say no to a nun that wants to pray, right? <laughs> so I got myself in there. But it was hard. I could barely get myself in one of the cells because first I was seeing the children's faces just because they had a big glass window and they were all looking eyes at us as we were standing with all the officers. So I go in there. All these little children, I get myself in the middle of them, all looking up at me, pulling my dress. Please, get me out of here. That's tough little was to tell you that you don't to go so vamos a rezar let's pray and they repeated after me Lord God please help us it was, officers were looking inside now they too were crying When I walked out the officer in charge said sister thank you you helped us realize they're human beings you know since then today we have an amazing relationship there are people water patrol or agents that care but sometimes we lose sight of the fact of our own humanity because we get caught up in our own rules and regulations and jobs that we forget we have a child in front of us we have a person and today this country our country is really struggling to figure out uh, whether we want any more to come because there's so many of them already right so many immigrants and so controversial and so like, I mean, I feel sometimes as if God gives us a permission to turn our back on them. That's the way it looks. But I think that we have a, a responsibility to human life, to humanity, to do our part. Not because they're immigrants. Because they're persons, they're children, mothers, families, people just like us, no different. They have a mother, they have a child, they have a name, they have a story. Let us not lose that humanity that is that gives us, each and every one of us, the essence of who we are. The, the, the value as a person of what we really are here for. So I think this journey that we have, we're on is temporary, you know? And we all have the responsibility to join together and doing our part to make sure it's a win-win for all of us. You know, whether it's because of money or if it's because of principle or it's because of whatever it is that has you here today. But ultimately, we all win when we work together to make sure everybody's okay. That's how it works, honestly. And ultimately, I'm amazed at the results of what was presented because it means that what I'm doing is what you wanna do. It's the same thing, you know, we all win. What I care about is the person And what this country may care about is making sure we don't lose more money, you know? We think smart. I think probably God figured that one out and said let's make it work so that they realize that if you work together and you care for each one and everyone, ultimately we all win. So I thank you for being here and I hope that that, yes, this is the moment. Today is the day. We can't just keep pushing it aside we have all a part to play in making sure that we get to the finish line the right way, you know? Doing each our part. And it starts with us, each and every one of us doing our part, caring for others. I don't think that, you know, as I mentioned to this officer, uh, this person, human dignity is key to saving humanity, you know? And what I told the president was, I want you to come and see. Because you're a very important person that makes a lot of decisions. In lo- and, and, and I wish that you, every time before you make a decision in something, you keep that face of, as I always keep those children that I saw in that detention facility, I never forget them. And every time I share that story, I'm there again. That experience, I will never unleave. And it's with me, and it grounds me to the fact that I have a job to do. I have to do my part to make sure that if I can save one child, I will. And so that's what I wanted the president to understand, why he should come and see those children, those faces, because he's having to deal with this. And it's not an easy task to figure out what's the right answer, but I hope he does. But he, to this day, I don't know if he has, but... In any case, muchas gracias por invitarme a hablar con ustedes. Thank you.